I'm so excited for this morning to have Stuart Sampson here preaching for us and uh, launching our Cap Debt Centre and just bringing a word around finances as we shift in our finances this month and gear up towards our Build to Reach Sunday. But, you know, Stuart's a, don't want to, I don't know what he's sharing about himself, but he's an Adelaide boy and uh, got married in January just up the other end of the main street here at the White House and so he's loves the hills and loves Harndorf and he's got a nice little special connection to Harndorf now for the rest of his life and uh, Sammy, his wife, isn't with him. She's back in Newcastle studying and uh, it's one of those kind of God moments this whole trip for Stuart because he booked his flights to come over. I don't know if you're sharing this but I'm sharing it now anyway so you can cross it out of your notes. But Stuart booked his flights to come over because we worked out, right, this is the weekend that we're going to have him come and share in church. And so he booked his flights. He's still studying at UniSA because he's an Adelaide boy, only moved to UniSA. Yeah, only moved to Newcastle at the start of the year once he got married. And so he also has a couple of exams that he has to do and but didn't know when they were when he booked his flights. And because he's coming back, seeing family, friends, whatever, he booked a little bit earlier and stayed a day later and... So he flew in Friday or Thursday and flying out Tuesday and his exams, once he booked his flights, fell, he had one yesterday and he's got one tomorrow and then he flies out Tuesday. So the time that he booked to hang out with family and friends is being taken up with exams and, uh, and so, but it also means that he doesn't need to pay extra money to come back and do his exams. Cap have paid for his exam flights, which is awesome, so... God bless Cap. And uh, it's, no, it's so good to have Stuart here. I met Stuart a few months ago as, we, as I did some training for Cap and um, just developed a, a great friendship already and relationship with him. And so excited to hear what he's got to share with us this morning. I know he's got a heart for people, um, obviously a heart for finances, working with Cap and uh, has uprooted his life to go over and start this venture with Cap and so he's super passionate about it and I'm, as I said, excited to hear what he's got to share with us this morning. So I don't want to take up any more of his time. Why don't we put our hands together and welcome Stuart as he comes this morning. I am so excited to to be here. Yes, it was a real one of those God moments being able to come here and I know I've got two exams this weekend but I... uh, I still managed to find my way to Adelaide Oval last night to uh, cheer on the power as they took on the Cats. That was quite a moment for me. I, was, uh, I hope I haven't made too many enemies in the room by announcing that. There's a lot of grace, I'm sure. Grace and love. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, take a seat. I'm going to preach a word to us because I am launching... The Christians Against Poverty, the Cap Debt Centre. I want to thank you guys so much for uh, giving me your pulpit to preach uh, today and share with you the heart of what's going on in the life of this church and, and across this city and across this nation. God's heart for the poor is being made known through the local church and it is a wonderful thing. So thank you so much. Thank you, Ben, for, for playing and leading us in worship today. That was fantastic. When you say you're building something significant, that's what I'm celebrating today. This partnership that we're building, C3 Adelaide Hills and and Christians Against Poverty, is to build something significant, to build something that God cares deeply about, and that is his love for the poor. I represent Christians Against Poverty, and we exist to mobilise and equip the church who wants to serve the poor and provide churches 
a unique way to do that, a unique way to engage with the poor in this city. As you said, you haven't taken up too many of my notes, John, thanks, that's all right. Uh, I grew up here in Adelaide and, and uh, I was a youth worker with the Department of Child Protection for, for five years before I began at CAP. And I started there because I had a heart to, to be with the vulnerable, to be with the broken. I wanted to help in, in any way I could. You know, these kids that had done it tough. And man, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I was 19 years old. I was green. I thought I'd change the world. Those kids probably changed me actually more than I changed them. But really, I was very grateful for what I got to do there. And I, and I feel like I got to make a difference. But at the same time, well, I'm grateful for that experience. And I feel like I was able to make a difference in some challenging circumstances. And I met great people and wonderful people that care deeply about the poor and the broken in this city. At the end of the day, it just didn't feel like we, we had enough. It didn't feel like we could ever raise enough money or the government could spend enough money. It didn't ever feel like we could have the right policy. It didn't ever feel like we had the right program. It didn't ever feel like we had the right government in charge. It didn't ever feel like we had enough training. It never felt like we had enough. It felt like we had enough, but not quite enough. It was like there was something missing in what we were doing. And what I came to believe is that that thing that was missing was the hope and love that only Jesus Christ provides through his church. Amen. Only Jesus Christ can provide that real hope and love and change. And, and that's why I started working for Christians Against Poverty. Because poverty is a, it's a huge problem. We know this invariably. The kids that I used to look after, they came from low socioeconomic backgrounds, backgrounds of disadvantage. And, and poverty creates a pattern of disadvantage that is so hard to break free from. It's intergenerational. The cycle just continues and continues. And in fact, this problem, it seems impossible not just for the people in poverty, but for society at large to, to make a difference, to make a change in what is going on. And so it feels like poverty is simply not going anywhere soon. Even here in Australia, in the lucky country, I grew up in a comfortable, middle-class, loving Christian home, and I didn't even realise that poverty was actually right in our midst. I didn't realise that that there were people <laughs> broken and hurting in financial situations that were what I could not even dream of in this blessed country of ours. And so I want you to imagine this for a moment. You're a parent of two young children. And since the second arrived, or the fifth or the fourth, the bills have, and the expenses have started to get bigger. Things have blown out a little. But the money that's coming in has stayed the same. You've never lived lavishly, spent recklessly, um, but you've just gotten by all right. Sometimes things are a little tight, but you get by. But now things have become worse and you realise that there are a few bills you actually are unable to pay. But you need to feed your kids. You want to put food on the table and so you skip a few bills, you miss a few deadlines and so you can feed your family. And you have a credit card and that helps you uh, tick things over for a little while, keep things afloat. But now repayments are getting harder and harder to make and you start getting a few notices in the mail. Those ones with the big red overdue across the front. And a sense of failure starts to build and you begin to retreat from family, friends. You feel ashamed that things have gotten to this. 
And now every phone call, every trip to the mailbox, every knock at the door is marked by growing anxiety as more debt builds, payment demands that you simply cannot meet. And you realize that you and your partner, you're not talking about it. In fact, you and your partner aren't talking at all. And you feel completely alone and afraid and you wonder how things got this bad. And this is a devastating reality for thousands of Australian families right now that live in poverty. In fact, there are actually 2.99 million Australians living below the poverty line. That number baffled me. 2.99 living below the poverty line, unable to put food on the table for their family, feeling that sense of failure. In fact, that number is one in eight. One in eight Australians. And that means, statistically speaking, there may be some of you in this room that feel this sting and pain of poverty and debt right now. And if that is the case for you, my heart breaks for you. But I want you to know that this church has a solution for you. That sense of shame when the credit card is declined and you have to do that walk back down the grocery aisle to return what you couldn't purchase. Vulnerable young women couch surfing, escaping violent situations, unable to get a job and then, and without, you know, six months worth of pay slips, how are they supposed to get a permanent rental? Or maybe the elderly neighbour who sits alone in the cold. I can't imagine what that would be like in a day like today when the electricity has been cut off because they can't afford to pay the bill. And so the reality is poverty is here in Australia and it is not going anywhere. And this creates a problem. And this problem of poverty, this problem of unbearable debt and the crushing weight of it, has people asking, does God even care? What is God doing about this? Or even, if God is real and he is so loving and so kind, why is there so much suffering? Why is there poverty if there is a good God? They ask, God, what are you doing about this? And maybe you've asked this question. Maybe you've felt this pain. God, what are you doing about my situation? Or maybe you've been asked this question by a friend or family member who wonders why you spend your Sunday mornings in church. And I I think it's an important question we take seriously. That we ask ourselves and we ask of God, do do you care? And if you do care, what have you done about it? And we read scripture and I believe I'm among friends here who do believe in a good God. Yeah? Yeah? I believe that God has a good intention for us and he has a good intention for the poor. We read in Leviticus 25, 39, as God is leading his people that he has chosen out of slavery and into the promised land, he he gives them a law. He gives them a good way to live. He says, this is what I would have for you. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him. This is God writing, care for the poor, right into the heart of the law. This was legally binding for his people, that the poor should be supported by those around him. And again, Deuteronomy 25, God writing into the law, but there will be no poor among you. This is what God would have, that there would be no poor. For the Lord will bless you if only you would strictly obey the voice of the Lord your God. If among you one of your brothers should become poor, you shall not harden your heart against him or shut your heart against them. 
This is God's intention for his people. This is God's intention for the poor. He has taken care of those who are the most vulnerable by commanding his people who love him to care for them. That their hearts would not be hardened. That they would be open to their poor brother and sister. He's saying, if you obey what I've commanded, there would not be any poor among you. But the reality is, there are poor among us. And so if this is what God has said, and this is God's design and intention for us, and there is still poverty and sickness and and brokenness in the world, what's gone wrong? What's gone wrong? Well, we move through Scripture, and we quickly learn that the people of God who had been given this good law and good design failed to fulfill that good law that God had given them. They were unable. They did not care for the poor or the oppressed as God had commanded. The prophets speak of the failure of God's people to execute justice in no uncertain terms. Isaiah, the prophet, speaks boldly in chapter 58. Cry aloud. Do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Is not this the fast that I chose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see him naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Isaiah is calling out the people's failure to live up to God's law. In fact, their failure to to care for the poor and vulnerable among them sin. He calls it sinful to ignore these commands of God. You know, he calls God's people out for their religiousness. They cry out to God. They fast and pray. They're strict with their morals, but they failed in this way to do what God had commanded, what they had been required of. The prophet Micah speaks similarly. The Israelites were wondering how they might please God. God, show us what we must do, that you would bless us, that you would make us a great nation. And his response to them is this in chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, O man, God has told you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love mercy, love kindness and walk humbly with your God? See, this is what the Lord requires, as we have seen. Clearly, God's heart for the poor. He has commanded the people to help the poor, but they don't. God's people have ignored this, and this is their sin. There's a great irony, I think, that the Jewish people felt that when someone was poor, when someone was broken, or maybe even when someone was sick, that this was because of some of their own personal sin. This was their fault. This was their punishment. They must have done something to deserve this poverty. God doesn't see it that way. And I think this is an attitude that can easily creep in to blame the poor for their poverty. And so in answer to our question of whether God cares about the poor and what he's done with it, the good news is, as we have seen, God does care. God cares for the poor. The bad news is, we don't. Clearly, we cannot do it. The poor are around us, say, surround us. It is, it is too much. It is an overwhelming task. As I said, there's just simply no perfect policy, no perfect program, no amount of money that we could spend because we have sin in our hearts, we have hardness in our hearts. 
We think only of ourselves. And God says we need to live up to his expectation and do what is required of us, especially in our love of the poor. But where the law of God failed and where our own effort and striving to maintain those around us has failed, praise the Lord, Christ has come and has won the victory, amen? Christ has come to win the victory because where we fail, where our own effort and striving cannot live up to the law, Jesus Christ comes down, he enters humanity in the likeness of man. We sung about this this morning, that Jesus comes down to be a suffering servant and he begins his ministry by declaring this in Luke 4, 17 to 18. Jesus declares, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. This is good news to the poor. Jesus Christ came to build up those who are broken and downtrodden. This is what he came to do, not to cast judgment on the poor, on the oppressed, on those that are broken and heavy laden. He came to restore them, to bring them life that they would have it to the full. When John's disciples, the forerunner to Jesus, John's disciples come to him asking him whether he is really the Christ. Confirm this for us. What proof can you give us that you really are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Saviour that has come? Jesus says this in Matthew 11, 4-5. He says, go and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Praise God. These were the proofs that he was the Christ. Far from telling the poor that they deserved it, far from casting judgment and condemnation, he actually identifies himself with the poor. He steps down. He becomes a humble carpenter. He did not come in pomp and glory. He rode into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey, born in a manger to poor parents. He identifies with the poor so that when we are in these circumstances and trials, we do not have a God that looks down on us and shakes his finger, but who actually stepped down to sit alongside us and and carry our burdens, to weep as those who weep. He breaks with us. And so what the law was powerless to do because of our sin, Jesus Christ perfected with this new covenant when he died on the cross when he died for all of the sin, for all of our failure to live up to God's perfect expectation. Praise his name. He died that we would not be under the curse of the law anymore. He gives us a new heart that all that would humble themselves and and come before him and say, Jesus, thank you. Forgive me, make me clean, make me like you. We'll be given a new heart. So that rather than being bound by law, we are bound by love. And so Jesus says, in a new way to, to his disciples, as you did for the least of my brothers, you did unto me. He says this in Matthew 25. He says, as you cared for the poor, as you uh, fed the hungry, as you came alongside the widow and the oppressed, you did this as if to me, because I was just like that. We are called as the people of God to do for the least in our society, to, to restore them 
as if they were Jesus himself. What a mission. What a mission we've been called into. If you ever wanted to be part of something bigger than yourself, if you ever wanted to be part of a grand project, be a part of your local church. It's so exciting to hear you preaching this morning or talking about building into something significant in this city, in the Adelaide Hills and in this region. That you want to build something that is bigger than yourselves, bigger than these four walls, to go out there and do something empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit, to do something that we cannot do in our own strength. You know what's amazing is building the kingdom of God and being a part of that work that Jesus Christ invites us into that we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to achieve is even greater than the Boeing factory. (laughs) As amazing as that is, as, as grand as that is, a kingdom in itself, that's probably bigger than some countries. Oh my goodness. The complexities and the intricacies and the grandeur of that project, only human hands built that. But we belong to a kingdom. We build a kingdom that is built by the hand of God himself. And so join in. Be a part of what your church is doing in all ways. As we think about what it means to serve the poor and and our response to it, our response to not being under the law anymore but under love, Tim Keller, the author of a book named Generous Justice, makes this statement. Serving the poor and doing justice is the sign that you have been justified by faith. Now, it's not the basis. This is not a works-based thing here. You're not justified because you are serving the poor. That would be law. That would be trying to strive and work so that we might have God smile upon us. But he says, no, a heart poured out for the poor is just the sign that you've been saved by grace. Because as we have been so greatly loved, so greatly forgiven, so greatly restored by a good God, our hearts overflow and want to share that love and joy with our neighbours. That is what the church is all about. And so it's been all turned around. We don't earn our salvation, but we rejoice in it. Because we have been saved, we move into a position of loving service of the broken in our community. And so I think we can confidently answer this question now. Does God care? And what has he done about it? Yes, we know he cares. And yes, he has done something about it. He has sent his son and established his church by the work of the Holy Spirit that we would show his love, his grace, his restoration to a broken world, especially to the poor and the vulnerable. And we are his church. C3 Adelaide Hills, it is so good to be partnering with you in building something significant for his kingdom. And so because of this, because your pastors understand this love that Christ has given them, because your church wants to build something more significant than just yourselves, and we scratch our heads and we wonder, what can we do? This is why we partner together. This is what CAP is really all about, equipping, mobilizing the church to go out and serve the poor as Christ has called us to. And CAP is very passionate about this. This is why I started working for CAP because I realised that the money, the programs, the policies isn't enough. We have to work through the church. And CAP wants to mobilise the church to fulfil this. CAP provides a unique solution, a, a debt management solution to help people out of the crushing weight of debt and the bondage that brings. It's funny actually that the Bible uses that analogy of, of debt like, like sin. Sin is debt. You know, it's a crushing weight. 
It's a crushing burden to owe, to have people chasing you, hassling you, feeling inadequate to provide for your family, your children. And so CAP provides a debt management solution by training debt coaches in churches all across Australia so that when someone calls CAP on the brink, desperate, hurting, broken, and says that they are in crippling debt, someone in a local church is ready to help. Debt coaches will go visit people in their homes, stepping into their homes, into the mess, into the brokenness, just as Jesus stepped into our mess. Debt coaches visit people in their homes, help them make sense of their situation, encourage them to stop burying the head in the sand, open those letters that you haven't maybe opened in months. We go to homes and there'll be years worth of of notices and bills and overdues. We help people start answering their phone encouraging them to make sense of their situation, praying for them, explicitly praying for them, and connecting them with the local church that they may not be alone anymore, that they may find community, a community of hope, a community of love, a community that is ready to come around them and encourage them. And Christians Against Poverty has a team dedicated to negotiating with creditors, calling them on on clients' behalf, which means that there's no more angry letters, no more hassling phone calls. We take that burden off them. We would negotiate on interest and debt. In fact, every year we see $10 million of debt waived or reduced on clients' behalf, praise God. Just because we wanted to go into bat for those people just as Jesus went into bat for us. And we help people find dignity. This isn't about handouts. This is about helping people pay their debts with their own money, helping them make sense of their situation. It's helping them pay their debt with their own money and with the support of the local church and CAP every step of the way. This year, we celebrated 3,000 clients going debt-free over the history of CAP here in Australia. 3,000 clients who no longer have the weight of debt and the fear and the shame that that brings looming over them so that they can breathe and feel a peace that they haven't in years. Even better, the heavens rejoice because this year we celebrated 1,500 individuals making commitments to follow Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Praise Lord. And this is a hope that means no matter what comes their way, no matter how much debt that they may be in, No debt collector, no creditor can take away that hope that is in their hearts. Jesus doesn't rust or decay or fade or depreciate in value. That's a hope that lasts and we praise God for that. And we can only see this happen. We can only see uh, people come to know Jesus, their Lord and Saviour, because we work exclusively through the local church. You know, I admit it would actually probably be easier to run a service like this you know, just in our own strength. The church is messy. Uh, you don't have to be in church long to realize church is full of broken people, messiness. It's hard, but it's beautiful because this is the solution God has presented to the world. He works through the broken people. He works through the least of these. I'm so glad for that. It's better than all the programs and policies and because it is true hope.
All the clients we see debt-free and coming to Saving Faith is another life transformed. I'd like to introduce you to a, a CAP client named Peter to have him share his testimony. Just before I do play that video, I just want to offer you a free copy of, of a book called Nevertheless. It's funny that we sung that song, Nevertheless, this morning. This is the, uh, the biography of Cap's founder. Cap was founded in the UK some time ago by a man named John Kirkby. Uh, he was in finance himself, but came into debt and poverty and bondage. And in that situation, in that hardness, in that mess, he came uh, to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And as he was restored and as he learned to pay off his debt, he figured, I need to use uh, the skills that I have to see people uh, restored and come to know Jesus. And so he just started doing it on his own. And slowly but surely, here we are now. It's across five different countries and thousands of people have become debt-free and come to know the Lord. It's, a, it's an amazing book. It's, after reading that, I think I read it in 20, 24 hours and couldn't put it down. And it's really what inspired me to want to uh, leave Adelaide, the city I love, and, and move to Newcastle uh, to work uh, to this end. And so please, if you would like a copy of this book, please uh, fill out the card that's on your seat. Uh, just on the left-hand side, it just providing some of your details so you can stay in the loop with what is going on at CAP and across churches all across Australia. I'll be out near the coffee uh, stand after the service. And if you bring that card with uh, your details on the left filled out, just some contact details, I'll exchange that for a free book. We'll play uh, Peter's story just now. I cannot wait to meet the Peters that this church comes in contact with, you know? I can't wait to meet, hear those stories in, in three, four, five years' time. This is really building a legacy of serving the poor out of this church. John, thank you for a step of faith in committing to be a debt coach. I just really want to honour that and thank you because it's not an easy task. But guys, as, as brilliant as John may be, <laughs> this is not something he can do on his own. This is about a team. This is building a Boeing. This is more complicated than building a Boeing. People's lives are messy. They're unpredictable. He's going to need support. This is spiritual warfare. You know, I believe that Satan does not want Christians going out into the world and declaring a message of hope to people who are broken. So he's going to need prayer warriors by his side on, his knee, on their knees, praying, advocating, fighting for those people in prayer that they would become free from debt and, and sin. But also he's going to need help and support. We don't send people out on their own. We send people out in twos and, and then we're going to need support workers and other debt coaches as, as the ministry grows and continues. And so please consider whether this is something you might be able to do to support John, to support this church, to build something of God's kingdom. Uh, please consider getting involved in what your church is doing. I'm, I'm so excited that you guys are just building and building and so I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this city. Something really great is moving in Adelaide. It's really funny that I've had to leave to be able to be a part of that. <laughs> but there is a unity in this city that is growing and it is very exciting to see. So just before I leave, I just want to quickly pray for you guys and thank you uh, for the partnership that you have made with Christians Against Poverty. Dear Lord, we are enamored by your love, your grace, your mercy upon us that you would take us who are poor and broken and restore us to life. We thank you so much for the hope that you give. And because of that great love you showed us, that we want to just go and declare that to all peoples who are broken and hurting in this community. I thank you for the step of faith this church has taken to build something significant for your kingdom. I pray that among this church there would be those prayer warriors, 
There would be those support workers and, and future debt coaches to continue uh, this work. I thank you for the leadership of this church that has been supporting CAP for many years now. Their contribution is significant and, and has seen many more debt centres open even before this one has begun. Thank you for their investment. I pray that people in this church would understand what it takes to, to be a part of building your kingdom. That they would open their hearts and homes and their time and offering uh, to build what you see for the world. In Jesus' name they said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you, Stuart. You know, I love it. Stuart didn't say, but, you know, we're launching our Cap Debt Centre today. I got an email and some subsequent phone calls on Monday, I think it was, or Tuesday this week, and uh, we've got our first client booked in, and so um, next week I'll be seeing our first um, client as part of this church's Cap Debt Centre, which is so awesome, and so there's some, I know, um, from doing the training, there's some churches that go months, um, some of them years, without having a client and seeing somebody um, come into the fold in that way. Um, and so it's just incredible to see that. Um, I was over in Mount Barker at a shop during the week and got talking about CAP because I had a CAP thing there um, with me and was talking. And the lady that I was talking to, she turned to me and she's gone, well, where were you five years ago? And I was like, oh. Um, well, yeah, and so she, similar story to Peter, wife, uh, she was the wife, but she had husband, kids, the marriage didn't break down, but they had two investment properties up in Queensland, that Queensland market went down, they, the price of the investment properties went below the price of their house here, and so not only did they lose their two investment properties, they lost their house here, had to go bankrupt, and she just said, if I had something like this, to support me and to help me through, she said, like, that would have been incredible for my family. And so she was, like, right on the front foot. She's like, I'm going to tell everybody about this. And so there's there's need in our community, which is super exciting. Absolutely. Part of the background to some of that um, as to why we weren't there is um, we have been sowing for about five years into CAP money to um, support them establishing debt centres elsewhere. And this morning as we're launching our own debt centre, I kind of feel like to say to you, sometimes the kingdom of God is established in the ground unseen. So some of you may not be aware that we've been supporting cap money like that financially for years uh, because we believe in everything that they do. But I'm really excited to see that that sowing and willingness to invest in people we'll never meet has given rise to the circumstance for us to actually have our own debt centre here in the, the Mount Barker area. got to say a huge thank you to John. You've got to understand John, John has willingly, John and Emma have um, put their day off on the line. This, this is um, giving up a day, his day of rest from being a pastor to doing something that's a little bit different in the way of caring in our community. And so, John, we just commend you for your heart, the big-heartedness in that. And as Stuart said, um, this is not just about financial transactions for people in difficulties. It is about the kingdom of God. It's about people's eternal destiny 
and Cap's got a phenomenal record of helping people to line up the freedom they find from their debt to being uh, based in finding Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. And so I've got every confidence that together, it's not just John, it's us as a church, uh, running this debt centre in Mount Barker, that we have got great days in front of us. No doubt there'll be challenging times and uh, difficulties there always is when we're taking ground. Um, but we have the upper hand with prayer. And so just get around John and Emma and help them and support them and encourage them and ask if there's anything that you can do to help. Uh, as Stuart said, uh, if you've got a bit of a burden in your heart for this area of life, you can get trained to be a money coach, sort of like, yes, a debt coach, uh, which is an, a, a, an aside uh, function of um, the debt centre as well. So lots of opportunities there. We're really excited and it's an ongoing um, uh, financial contribution so we, we out of our build to reach are um, putting funds into this to make that happen it subsidizes cap money invests way more than that from their end uh, and I just want to say thank you Stuart for coming and sharing this morning phenomenal um, yep put your hands together again so I just want to reiterate um, as we stand up here a bit strange being up here together John isn't it don't you do that. It's like, that's good. It's good, right? It's good. As we close this morning, um, I just want to ask you to just close your eyes for a moment and just settle into, let's just say a bit of private time with God. Just search your own heart, what's been shared this morning about this particular dimension of serving in the kingdom of God. It might just be something that just pushes a real button in you. And I'd really love you to respond to that. I'd love you to have a, the moment just now and a few moments of silence to say, Holy Spirit, if you're speaking to me over the next days, this week, just keep stirring my heart up. I'm going to get on to John. I'm going to let him know that God stirred my heart. I want to get involved somehow a little more than just praying behind the scenes, as important as that is. And so, Father, I pray right now you'd breathe on different individuals in our church over the days ahead. And, Lord, that we would find... Um, you, for us perhaps surprisingly but Lord not to you that there are others that are just so excited by this project coming down our roadway and Lord that we'd find ourselves in a way bigger position than we thought we would be in making the debt centre such a success here we pray Lord for the Adelaide Hills and further afield people come from all over Adelaide to this particular help and we pray Lord that you would guide their path and that they'd find us and that we can help them, and you would be a blessing in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Are we good with Jesus this morning? Just taking the direct approach for an altar call. Are you sweet in here? Got any unfinished business that needs to be put on the altar? Sometimes we just got to get down the front of church and say, God, I've been a mug. Um, well, I do. I've been thinking stupid things or this conversation that's been left half finished that I'm just not confident to have there's all sorts of dimensions of life that can get messy i come to church partly for lots of reasons one of them is so i can spend time with my father in heaven in this atmosphere and just go lord just need that incredible cleansing blood of jesus to wash over my soul again this morning help me to forgive that person lord help me to be forgiven help me to whatever and so, Lord, just as we close the meeting this morning, I pray that every one of us 
would drill down into the promises of God. Lord, that we would anchor ourselves in the salvation that is ours through faith in Christ. Pray your blessing on Stuart and his wife, Lord, and all that they're putting their hand to. Pray, Father, you watch over him as he pursues another exam tomorrow. Time with his parents here in Adelaide. It would be a blessing beyond his wildest dreams. So, Heavenly Father, be with us now as we head out into the week. Lord, let us be salt and light in your name. Amen.